KSTL 690, East St. Louis, St. Louis. This is Pocket Watching with JT, the call-in financial talk show focused on helping you get your money right. Jason Thornton is a certified financial planner licensed in both tax and investments. Now, this is not personal financial advice. This is JT's real reaction to all your money and business questions. Are you deep in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, and looking for a way out? Call Pocket Watching with JT, the financial advisor for the people. Need more? Book your personal consultation with my man JT at pocketwatcher.net. Now, let's go pocket watching. Hey, St. Louis, this is Pocket Watching with JT, your certified financial planner live on the air, KSTL Jubilee 690 and live streaming on YouTube. I am here to answer your questions. Listen, I know, I know, I know I am a financial advisor. You don't have to have to wonder and guess. I know that you have money questions. I've got money answers. So give me a call. 314-969-6900. That is 314-969-6900. If you have questions about your personal financial life, you have business questions, give the radio station a call. I will do the best I can. Listen, the best I can to give you a recommendation that will help you reach your financial goals. Listen. You have to have a plan. Start with a plan. I don't care what stage of your life you are in. Now, yes, I went to school for this stuff. I understand the major different stages of a person's financial life. Okay? Doesn't matter if you're in what we would consider the accumulation phase or the preservation stage. It, it really does not matter. It doesn't matter if you're young, middle age, or you're getting a little more seasoned. You need to have a plan. Be prepared to do the hard work to receive the rewards that you want in life. So give me a call, 314-6, I mean, 314-969-6900. That is 314-969-6900. But I'm going to go to a... uh a pocket watcher who went to the website, they went to pocketwatcher.net. They clicked the Ask JT button, and here is their question. I got a question from Lola. Okay. Lola is 44 years old. She has two credit cards and about $4,500 in cash. She said, I am holding on for dear life. I was hurt on the job in 2017. So they put me on disability retirement from the post office. This is my second year and they're getting ready to cut it off again. And it will not be enough to take care of myself. Here's the question. What should I do with what I'm saving? I'm trying to save a little each month. I've been getting a retirement money since March of 2021. I have a credit repair company fix my credit, which is now excellent, but I do not know what to do. I also stay with my sister, so I do not pay bills other than my credit cards and cell phone bill. Please help. Okay, that's, 
Lola, there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Now, I, I'm a little confused about these credit cards. What what do you need these credit cards for? And why are you paying credit cards every month? You say your only bills is your cell phone and your credit cards. Why do you have credit card bills? The first thing I, I would say to you is you need to pay off these credit cards and put them away. Really, I, I, I've got a feeling like you need to probably cut these credit cards up. I have no idea why you have these credit cards, okay? You have about $4,500 in savings. I would say what you need to do with that $4,500 in savings, that is your emergency savings fund, okay? This is the money that you're going to need in case something happens where an unexpected bill pops up. I know you're living with your sister right now. You really don't have any bills other than what should just be your cell phone bill. I have no idea why you have credit card bills. Should just be your cell phone bills. And then obviously there's food and different things that you need to take care of. So because you're, you're, Fixed expenses, the actual bills that you really need to pay other than these credit cards, like I said, th those need to be out your life. You should put that $4,500 in the highest yielding savings account you can find at your bank or at your local credit union or a money market account. Something that's going to be secure, liquid, where you have $250,000 worth of FDIC insurance covering it. Okay. We're not looking to invest this money. I got a feeling that's basically what you're trying to ask me. You're saying that you got $4,500 and you don't know what to do with it. You got $4,500, a cell phone bill and credit card bills. Well, one, you need to get rid of these credit cards, get the balance down to zero. Now I'm not saying you need to liquidate your total $4,500 worth of savings, but you need to cash flow it. What do I mean by cash flowing? Cash flow means instead of taking the $4,500 that you already have saved up, keep that off to the side for an emergency. But your budget is, you know, you've got a lot of room in your budget, right? Let's just say that you have a lot of room in your budget. You've got money coming in from uh, from retirement income, it looks like. It's not much. Obviously, you know, they're, they're cutting it back from the disability that you were getting before. But you should be in a position where you have enough money coming in monthly to pay off the credit cards, get that balance down to zero, and let's just not use that card anymore. There's really no reason for you to be using that card because you're going to have an emergency savings fund. Now, the money that after you pay off the credit cards, the money that you were using to pay down or pay off the credit cards, that money, then you have some options to use that money in a way to either you know, fund some sort of um, uh, purchase that you have coming up, increase that uh, retirement fund. I mean, honestly, you really need to be looking at other sources of retirement. You didn't put your age in here, so I'm not sure. Um, you said you started getting retirement, so I'm assuming you're past 62. When you say retirement, I'm assuming you're saying Social Security, so maybe you're receiving Social Security income. I would suggest that you reach out and find some sort of uh, local nonprofit organization that works with senior citizens that can help you find resources locally and they will help you find uh, different programs that you would qualify for to help you in whatever stage of your retirement journey. If you plan on continuing to stay with your sister or whatever that situation is, 
I would suggest you uh, work with a local organization that deals with helping senior citizens transition from wherever you are currently financially to where you want to be because honestly you don't have the resources to be paying i don't know why you're paying these credit uh credit repair companies and now you now you say your credit is excellent well okay great your, your credit is better but what are you going to do with this credit you have you have no money having credit with no real cash flow to pay back whatever money you would receive in the form of a loan is not healthy for you. Your first priority is to figure out how are you going to better use the money that you're already getting, make sure that you're not, uh, you know, uh, losing a lot of value in your budget because the money's just floating away in useless spending. And then you got to figure out a better plan for the money that you have. So, Get rid of these credit cards. The credit cards aren't helping you. Don't take on more debt through credit cards or any other lending that you would get with this great new credit score that you got, because ultimately you could be just digging yourself into a hole. So Lola, make sure that you find local resources that are in place to help seniors in your community. And then that way you can step forward and be in a much, much better position. Okay. All right. So people, listen, great credit scores is one thing. Everybody loves a great credit score. But what is a great credit score without having the ability to actually pay off the debt? All right. So people, give us a call. 314-969-6900. That's 314-969-6900. Next, we have a Ask JT from... Javon. Javon is asking me, let me see here. He says, hope all is way. It's a very long one. So I, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I don't want to give up any of your personal information, but he's someone who's been watching me on YouTube. He's also a, fa a fan of O'Shea Duke Jackson's channel on YouTube. Uh, says he's uh, been hurt on the job and been out of work since 2017. Three surgeries since and planning on his fourth surgery. He's currently on workman's comp, making about 40% less than what he would usually make. Says, uh, have been, uh, he has not been paid one and a half out of the five years that he's been down. He's currently working with, uh, with an attorney to help him get his, uh, back payments. So that's, that's good. He says, with three kids, he can't be as productive as he would want to be. And he's been seeing a therapist and counselor for uh, the depression that he's been going through. Hey, big shout outs to you. Huge shout outs to you for uh, seeing that uh, counselor for the depression. So we want to make sure on that. All right. Big question. I know I got a caller there. Hold on, caller. I just want to get through uh, Javon's question here and I'll be right with you, caller. Give me one second here. He says, after budgeting uh, the little money that he has, he has only about $40 left. At the end of the month, he has no savings whatsoever. Uh, used most of it to pay the bills while he was working. He said, I need to know where is the best place to invest the little bit of change that you got. Listen, listen, Javon, you, you don't have the money to invest, okay? You do not have the money to invest. You need to be putting this money off to the side in savings. 
Don't put the cart before the horse. I know you would love to get into the investing world, but you don't have the money for that. Okay. I got your email here. I will make sure that I reach out to you, Javon, but you do not have the money to invest. You need to be saving your money. You need an emergency savings fund. Okay. All right. So let's go to the callers. Caller, thank you for uh, reaching out to Pocket Watching with JT. You are live on the air. How can I help you? What is up, JT? Um, long time fan. Since you had a couple of thousand subscribers. <laughs> yeah, day day one, here. Pocket Watcher. Thank you so much. Hey, yo, I actually found you from your videos on the, the Internet Gurus. That's how I found you. <laughs> thank you so much, man. What's going on? So I got a quick question, man. Sure. I, um, so I have a couple credit cards. Most of them I have like 10% or less being used on them. Mm -hmm. Now I have two of them that are like at 50% being used. Mm -hmm. Now I have one. I have some money coming in, more money coming in, more, more, more income coming in. It's rolling in. Right. And my options are, I can pay a chunk on each of them, get each of them about thirty percent, or I can pay one and have it down to basically zero, and the other would be at fifty percent still. In your opinion, mm -hmm. to boost credit and you know per payments, what would you do? Okay. If I if I'm in your shoes, this is what I would do. I would go all in on paying off the one card that has the lowest balance. Okay. Cause obviously you're paying at bare minimum, the minimum monthly payment on each card. Correct. Yeah. That's that bare minimum, but I've been paying, but you've been paying more. That, okay. So yeah. honestly to, to build up the, your stamina, right. To build up the momentum to get them all paid off. Cause that's really what my goal would be. Get them all paid off, right. Get them all paid off. Uh, I would go ahead and just get the lowest one. So basically the snowball method when it comes to paying off debt, attack the smallest one, get that balance down to zero. And then now that you no longer have any payments whatsoever on that card, because that card is at zero, you need to now be even stronger at the next one. Get to the point where you are not relying on these credit cards. I mean, why do you have this much out there on the credit cards anyway? What are you using these cards for? Um, some business stuff, some nonsense. It depends. <laughs> it depends. I'm giving you real. Some you. business stuff, some nonsense. But for the most part, I, I use them at my discretion. You know, that at some point I was just using them. I was like, you know, I should probably pay these things down to get this get this credit up. So, mm -hmm. are you in the camp of Dave Ramsey of no debt is good debt? For for the most part, unless you're reasonable. Here, here's the thing. Most people cannot control their credit usage the same way that the average person can't control using some sort of substance like alcohol or even some some harder drugs. Right. You know that there's people in this world, believe it or not, there's people in this world who are functional cocaine addicts. Oh, the, 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 I, I it, it exists. I've heard. Yeah, it exists. There are people in this world that are functional cocaine addicts. They can do a little cocaine and and their whole world does not come down into shambles. They are a very small percentage of the total population of people who do cocaine who can do that. So I can understand the perspective of a Dave Ramsey and, and, and really the perspective that I come from. I'm betting that when I'm talking to someone who is you know working with their credit cards and they got this credit card debt, there's a higher probability that you're a person that's going to OD on the credit than be a functional person with the credit. So 
I would say it's best to get out of debt. And if you need to get into debt to use that leverage for a, uh, a particular purchase, you're doing it very calculated. You're doing it with the counsel and advice of business professionals to make sure that you cover all your bases so that you don't end up ODing. That's my thing. It's better safe than sorry. If someone gives out the, the, uh, the, the motto of no debt is great, they're actually helping over 90% of the population. The less than 10% of the population that can work with debt and thrive with using that leverage, they're going to be all right anyway. <laughs> they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. So that's why, listen, snowball it, get rid of the debt as soon as possible. And if you are going to be using the debt for business purposes, make sure that you're not spreading yourself too thin. So not don't basically don't OD like you said. Please <laughs> don't not OD. Please, don't I mean, I I feel like this. I've I've came down from about twenty six thousand dollars in credit card debt mm -hmm. to about nine right now. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. You're 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 more than uh you know three quarters over the way. Now it's time to go ahead and cross the finish line. Go ahead and get it down to zero because you do not want to have a whole lot of debt or more debt than you need when we head into a recession, okay? That makes sense to me, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. All right, JC. All right. All right. We got another caller here. You are live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. Thank you so much. How can I help you? Hi, JT. Um, yes. For context, um, I'm 27 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I really value your advice on tax advantage accounts like the 401ks and IRAs. Mm -hmm. My question is in regards to the, the health savings account. Mm -hmm. I have um, I have a high deductible uh, general health insurance and dental insurance. Um, outside of like my semi-annual checkups, I really don't have much medical expenses. You know, uh, I usually have no copay. Would you recommend me considering contributing to a health savings account? And if so, uh, I guess how much and why? Okay, so uh, were you single? I wasn't sure if you were single or not. I'm single. Okay, so I believe you should be around $4,650-ish that you can contribute to a health savings account. I believe it's, it's, it's around in that area, okay? And, you know, that's going to help you overall because that's going to be the pre-tax dollars, right? So you're going to have pre-tax dollars when it comes to the health savings account. Now, I understand that you don't have a lot in out-of-pocket expenses, right, when it comes to uh, your normal uh, annual health uh, issues, right? Yes, sir. Okay. But there is going to be, I believe with the uh, HSA, there should be, you should be allowed to do some rollover in that. Now, the uh, the HSA, you could do a rollover, but there's the other account, man, I'm going off the top of my head, the FSA I had the flexible spending account. That one, I don't believe there's a rollover. I believe that one's more of a use it or lose it by the end of the year. But with the HSA, that is one that rolls over. So if we're talking about if you already maxed out your ability to contribute to, you know, the 401k or an IRA and stuff like that. And you know you're gonna spend. I mean, there's there's different things. There's like glasses. There's there's, there's a, lot, a bigger list. So my suggestion to you is to Google the allowable healthcare related expenses, 
that you can do with that account. And you will probably be surprised by the things that you can spend on, which falls within the category of being allowable. And you'll probably get a better idea of how you can take advantage of that account. Oh, uh, I understand. I'm, I'm pretty frugal. Mm-hmm. I don't really spend unless on outside of needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I guess I could check it out and see yeah. if it's applicable to certain purchases right. that I already make. Yeah. But I mean, cause outside, outside of, of that, that would yeah. you recommend like if there's really no need to spend on, you know, medical related expenses, should mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know it's, I've heard a lot to contribute because of the tax advantages. Yeah, but, but we don't want to get too, we don't want to get too focused on the tax advantages, right? At at, at a certain point, right? At a certain point, if, if it doesn't make sense to go towards the HSA because you don't have those medical expenses, well, then you need to probably just go ahead and open up a brokerage account and then invest because you've already maximized your opportunity with the uh, tax deferred accounts. Okay. Understood. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for calling. All right. I appreciate it. All right. We got another caller on the line. You are live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. Thank you for calling. How can I help you? Hey, JT. Um, real big fan. I was watching one of your um, podcasts. I think we were going over like um, pretty much like adding value to yourself or learning new skills. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know pretty much how you felt. Um, I guess about secondary degrees, because right now I'm an accountant, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about going back for my master's, but you know, tuition is looking around like $30,000 for a oh. lot of schools here in Georgia. All right, so I, I got a couple of questions. Make sure, because it sounds like you might be outside of driving, so just make sure you try to be as close to that phone as possible. But here we go. When it comes to taking that next step in your education, in your career field, my question would be, and hey, you know, you know pocket watching with JT, I understand accounting, right? I understand the, the, the industry. What type of ROI are we looking for with this master's degree? I, I'm assuming you're doing this master's degree maybe to qualify to sit for the CPA exam. I mean, why why are you interested in getting a master's degree? Well, for me, it just seems, especially as an African-American, mm-hmm. um, like as far as like the wage disparities between us and, you know, our counterparts. Right. Um, I just felt that the credentials would give me more leverage as far as, you know, going for different um, senior accounting positions to where I feel more comfortable that I'm getting a fair, fair rate. Okay. I would tell you this, the CPA in accounting is more valuable than just getting a master's degree in accounting. Okay. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I would say now, do you currently have the required 150 credit hours to sit for the CPA exam? So I do not. Okay. But you have the bachelor's degree, correct? Correct. All right. Here's a option that not enough uh, accountants really take. Instead of going to school, right, to grad school to get your master's degree in accounting to qualify to sit for the CPA exam, 
you can go to a junior college and just take additional credit hours in accounting to get you up to the 150. Right. So the average okay. the average program when you graduate from a bachelor's degree, at least, you know, I'm going off the top of my head from what I remember, you get around one hundred and twenty five uh, credit hours. So you, you're going to need an additional twenty five ish to get you up to that one hundred and fifty. You do not have to take out the big debt that it would take to get a master's degree to get you over 150 and qualify to sit for the CPA exam. You can take those credit hours at a local junior college and still be able to qualify to sit for the CPA exam, pass the CPA exam, get your license. That will give you the competitive edge to compete with anybody within the uh, industry of accounting. Much cheaper. Okay. okay. That's definitely a different um, outlook on it or a different path that I haven't really looked at. I do have one more question for you. All right, go right ahead. I got one more caller behind you, but go ahead. No problem. So as far as um, being a certified financial planner, mm -hmm. um, I've looked at different jobs, and it seems like the salary is very wide as mm -hmm. far as um, they'll tell you, like, what the base pay is and then what you would be getting. I guess my question is, like, how different is the base pay against um, what you would be getting okay. um, for your client? It depends on which channel you go through. So now, now I'm getting into the financial services language, and I'm going to try to break it down. When you're in okay. financial services and they say the channel that you're going through is basically talking about the type of investment slash insurance company you would be working for. So when I say channel, it means are you going mm -hmm. to be coming in as an insurance agent? Are you going to be coming in as a, uh, uh, a stock broker? Are you going through the channel of an RIA, a uh, registered investment advisor company, and actually get paid to give people financial advice? Right. So you want to make sure which channel you're going through, because if you're going through the sales side of financial services, your base pay is going to be pretty low. You're mostly going to be making money off selling a product. If you go on the okay. financial planning side, your your base salary is going to be you know somewhat decent, but that's not going to be the easiest route to open the door and get into because you're going to start at a very low level because you haven't been a financial advisor for a while, you're going to need to get experience to get into the six-figure financial planning space. So there's a lot of stuff in there. Go to my other mm -hmm. YouTube channel where I interview Black certified financial planners from all over the country. It is called Pocket Watches Black Financial Planners. Go check that out. I do interviews okay. all the time with Black certified financial planners. You can get an idea what the career is like, okay? Thanks for calling. Oh, definitely. Thank you. All right. All right, caller, you are live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. How can I help you? Hi, how are you today, JT? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling. Um, I have a bit of a tax question. I hope that's okay with today's show. Go, go right ahead. Hopefully I got a tax answer for you. All right. Um, I believe I need to make an amendment. And mm -hmm. my situation is that uh, I'm currently in graduate school. Okay. And I, want, I wanted to take advantage of the lifetime learning credit. Okay. However, I'm receiving reimbursement from my employer. So I think I may have made a mistake on my tax returns because you're supposed to, I guess, subtract that 
reimbursement as income from the total expenses in um, um, for the qualified expenses for the lifetime learning credit. Right. And so I'm a little lost with how to get us all fixed. Okay. So did you receive that reimbursement before or after the filing deadline from the, for the tax return that you prepared? Uh, it was before. Okay. So, and, and about how much was it? Uh, the reimbursement. Right. I mean, percentage wise of what the expenses that you had. Uh, it's 10,000, the reimbursement in total. Okay. And was that reimbursement taxable to you? Did you receive that as taxable income on a W-2? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was after a certain amount, uh, about five, six thousand dollars is taxed as income. Okay. So a certain amount of it was taxed as income from the employer. Now, if, if a certain amount of it was, is taxable income to you, then it, it, it really doesn't matter as far, I, I, I would be more inclined to focus on the amount that what you did not, that was not taxable to you, right? The amount that was not taxable to you, I think has a greater effect than the amount that was taxable to you. But my suggestion is to, uh, did you go to an accountant to get your tax return prepared or did you do it yourself? Uh, I, I did it online, just like through TurboTax. Okay. I would suggest, because I believe through TurboTax, they give you an opportunity to reach out to either a CPA or a inroad agent through like that little helpline thing. I would go mm-hmm. ahead and take advantage of that fact because you already pay for the service. It may be a small additional fee that you have to pay, but I would go ahead and just check with them and see what the best route to go in that particular situation and make sure you outline the difference between the amount of money that you received that was taxable and the amount that you received as a reimbursement that was not taxable. And they'll be able to give you a a more straightforward answer. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you for calling up. All right. All right, people, make sure you give me a call. We are here live on the air. KSTL. Give me a call. 314-969-6900. That is 314-969-6900. I am going to go back to the questions that was submitted online at pocketwatcher.net. Just click that Ask JT button and you can ask me your question. So I've got a question from Shiana. Man, I'm not I'm not the best of names. It's she and is what I'm looking at here. Hopefully I, I pronounced that correctly. But here's your question it says I'm currently a federal government worker and I make one hundred and five thousand dollars annually. I was recently offered a position in the private sector for one hundred and fifty two thousand dollars annually. I was wondering, would it make sense to accept the position for $152,000 or is the government pension worth continuing with the federal government? I want to make sure I'm secure for retirement and I want to know if it makes more sense to stay for the pension. Thank you. All right, listen. This is what we refer to as a time value of money question. There's there's a few variables that you don't have here in the question for me to give you a straightforward answer. But what I will do, I will give you some uh, some things to think about. Okay, number one, what I would do is that you need to go to OPM 
dot gov. That's O is in Oscar, P is in power, M is in Mary dot gov. Okay. On this website, you will be able to click on a calculator that will help you figure out an estimate of what your federal pension will be. You go to opm.gov, click calculators, then click federal ballpark estimate. Okay, this is going to give you an idea of what your federal pension will be. This is basically how the formula works, though. They do what's referred to as a high three, right? They're going to take a look at your three highest earning years as a federal employee. Now, these are going to be your three highest consecutive years. We can't just pick, you know, years from all over. It's going to be your three highest consecutive years of salary as a federal employee. Then they're going to multiply that by 1%. Then they're going to multiply that by the number of years of service, right? So there's a few things. That's why I'm suggesting go to the government website, opm.gov, click the calculator, put your information in, and you'll get a better idea of what your um, your future federal pension will be, okay? Then you can get an idea of, okay, if you move on to the private sector job at around $152,000 a year, what could you potentially do with the extra, what, $50,000 a year? Will it make up the difference of what your pension will be? Because when we're talking about pension here, we're talking about an annuity payment. The federal government is going to give you this dollar amount every month, no matter what, until the day you pass. That's much different than going into the private sector, putting your money into a 401k plan. That is a fixed dollar amount that you will be drawing down from. And it's going to be money that's invested in the market. Hopefully it would grow. But another question that I don't have an answer to here is what's your retirement age? How long do you have between right now, the time that I would be trying to give you this financial tip, and the time that you're going to retire? Without all of those variables, the only thing I would say is, well, I mean, the guaranteed money is with that federal pension. You know, so I would definitely take a look at that. I think the minimum amount of service time to uh, qualify for that federal pension is like five years. And that's at a uh, retirement age of like 62. If you serve for 20 years, the retirement age is like 60. You know, then, you know, if you go 30, you're getting like the maximum amount of that federal pension. So without all those other variables in place, I would, uh, you know, I would advise you to contact a certified financial planner locally in your area that can help you and walk you through all the different things that come into play. But this is a great question. Should you leave this government job for the extra 50 something thousand dollars annually? What are you sacrificing in long term pension income that you can receive? How long have you been working there? These are all the things that I would advise you to take a look at, to think about before you jump ship for an extra fifty thousand dollars a year that could cost you thousands and thousands of dollars in the long term. OK. All right, let's go to the lines. How you doing? Thank you for calling Pocket Watching with JT. You are live on the air. How can I help you? Give me a call, 314. <laughs> Sorry, give me a call, 314-969-6900. 
zero. That would let, let's everybody just take a deep breath. Give me a call. 314-969-6900. 314-969-6900. All right. I want to go back to another question here. Make sure you go to pocketwatcher.net. Click Ask JT. I will do the best I can to help you out. Go back to another question because I want to make sure people understand the difference between when you should be looking to invest and when you should be looking to save your money. We are slowly edging towards what we see as a recession in this economy. Okay, we are looking at a recession. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do when there is high unemployment? We already have people who are losing their minds over the amount of money that you are putting in your gas tank. Just think about this for a second. I paid about $75 just about 45 minutes ago on my way to the radio station. $75. A few months ago, it feels like a few months ago. I'm not sure how long ago it was now, but a few months ago, that would have been at best a $41, $42 fill up. All right? If you are living paycheck to paycheck right now, you're most likely not in the fiscal position to be looking for that next huge come up for an investment. You're not ready for that yet, okay? I'm going to do something right now. Hopefully this doesn't trigger anyone because I understand math was not the favorite subject for most people. But I gotta take you back to maybe middle school math class and we're gonna talk about order of operations. Just for a second, just to give you a frame of reference. Do you remember when you were first trying to study algebra? Algebra was you know, something somewhat different. You had, you know, letters in there and you had, you know, you were multiplying, you were adding, you were dividing. There was all these things going on in this somewhat complex math problem. Well, you should have had a teacher that explains to you, hey, listen, there's an order of operation. You do certain things in a certain order, that way you can figure out what is the answer to the problem. If you attempt to solve this complex problem out of order, if you divide when you should have multiplied or if you subtract when you were supposed to add, you will get the question wrong. Well, it's very similar when it comes to your financial life. You have to do things in order. Otherwise, you can have all the right pieces of the puzzle, but still not end up with the right result. So even though you may have $6,000, $8,000 saved up, if you have $20,000 in credit card debt, you're hustling backwards. It would make more sense to just figure out whatever your three to six months worth of emergency savings fund is in any cash that you have that's above your emergency savings fund, it would make more sense for you to pay down the debt. Get rid of the debt as soon as possible, then order of operations, then you can invest. But investing when you're deep in debt, when you're neck high in debt, does not make sense, especially when we're headed face first 
into a recession. What are you going to do if you have little to no emergency savings fund and the economy drops so far that maybe 20, 30, 40 percent of that money is gone? It's something to think about. All right. No more false alarms here. Let me get someone on this phone line. How you doing? You are live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. How can I help you? Hey, JT. Uh, this is TJ. I'm calling from uh, New Jersey. Awesome, awesome. How can I help uh, you? Actually wanted to ask for some business advice, which might not be financial. All right, let's, let's um, go for it. Okay, so I had a business that failed, and it failed last year, and I haven't closed it yet. And I have opportunity to open up a different business in mm -hmm. a different, it's like going from entertainment to like uh, product sales where I'll be selling something else. Okay. So now I actually have inventory and physical product to manage. And so do I close my old business and create a new one or should I is there a way to transfer that old business into this new business type? Okay. So, so you have a previous business. Now, did you say that you were selling the old business? What's going on with the old business? Um, it failed. So okay. It just, okay. Okay. It just, it just didn't work out. Didn't so work out. I'm assuming this is a business that you own and operated 100%. Yeah. Okay. So you own and operated this business 100%. About how much, uh, how long have you been operating this business? Is, do you have years of transaction history or is it something somewhat new? Yeah, I have uh, just just before the pandemic, which is part of what killed it, um, was when like I had actually gone official with it and gotten the EIN and separate bank accounts and everything. So I separated at that time and then what after that it failed. Okay. So, uh, yeah. All right. So, is are you is the business like an LLC or what? Yep. Okay. Yep. So you, it's a LLC. now is the new business the new business? I'm assuming is going to have a whole new name. Yeah. Okay. But there's a couple of things that you could do. Now, I I understand. Listen, I've had clients for years now who are small business owners, and I know they normally want to keep the transaction history and show that this business has been going for a while, right? So instead of starting, quote unquote, starting a new business, you may just want to rebrand the old business, okay? So instead, as long as, I mean, the old business doesn't have a lot of, you know, debt. I mean, you, when you say failed, it just means that it doesn't make sense for you to continue operating in that capacity and you just want this new business to have a whole new angle, new sales model, new thing. It's just totally different, right? Yeah, it's, it's just it's completely different business. Like one was entertainment and this one is more product sensing. Okay, this is what you could do. I would suggest changing the name of the LLC, okay? If I, this is what I would do if I was in your shoes. I would change the name of the LLC to something like, you know, I would call it like JT Holden Company, right? That's the Holden Company mm -hmm. now. Then I would probably get a new LLC that would be owned by the old one. Okay. 
So I continue to have transaction history and business history for the holding company. But then the holding company would own a new LLC to do business under a new name and do something totally different. Okay, so this is the the, the rebranding of my entrepreneurship, the rebranding of me being self-employed. But I still get to hold on to some transaction history because if I'm trying to do business with new vendors and new banks and stuff like that, I can show them. It's like, no, I've been in business for X amount of years. Now, this is a new department. This is a new venture that I'm getting into. But as a business owner, I'm not day one old. Right. I'm not a baby. I've been doing this for a while. We just have a new spin on what we've been doing for a while. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. But go ahead. We still have to be structurally different. So no sharing bank accounts. No. Yeah. I mean, I would probably I would probably just open up a separate uh, bank account for the new division or this new branch of your entrepreneurship. Right. And then obviously it's still owned by the holding company. And who does who owns the holding company? That's you. You own the holding company. Okay. Yep. Actually, that was my question. Yeah, that's that's what I would do. But listen, I would say take some time, find a certified financial planner in your area. It would do you a great service just to book a one hour consultation with them, and that way they can walk you through everything that else that's going to affect what you're trying to do. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Perfect. Thank you for calling. All right, people, give me a call. 314-969-6900. That's 314-969-6900. I'm going to go back to my rent real quick when it comes to this whole thing about debt. Okay. I don't care if you get tired of hearing it. I'm going to keep saying it because I know the numbers, regardless of who you're trying to, you know, impress on your timeline. I know that a majority of the people under the sound of my voice, you're broke. Now, when I say broke, I'm not saying that you're a person that lives under a bridge. Right. That, that's not what broke means. Right. You probably dress very nice. You probably drive a very nice car. You probably live in a nice home. When I say broke, what I'm saying is you are a person that has absolutely no plan for your financial life. You are barely making it based on the fact that you have no wiggle room in your budget to save for the things you want in your life or to be able to fund and invest for the things that you want later in life. You are broke when you are in a position where you are more in debt than you have saved up. You are broke when you're in the position where you have no idea where your money goes. No idea. You know you pay your rent. You know you pay your car note. You know you pay for your food and your groceries and stuff like that. But you don't really know what's going on. I'm here to try to help you out. So I got a caller on the line. Caller, you are live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. Thank you for calling. How can I help? Hello? Yes, you are live on the air with Pocket Watching with JT. All righty. Hey, um, I really appreciate everything that you've done. I've been watching you 
since the beginning, brother. <laughs> you are very great inspiration to the black community and all communities. Ah, oh, man, um, thank you, thank you. One of my brothers, he had a, a message a while ago, and you spoke to him, and actually that's giving me the courage right now to speak. That's what's so up. I'm going to keep, I'm gonna try to keep it short. Um, my wife has about $80,000 in student loan debt, mm-hmm. but it's in a parent loan. Mm, currently right now um we've been saving i have a joint account Mm -hmm. Uh, we've been saving and i make enough money so that at the end of the year i can pay it off fully right but what i want to do is i want to take it out of the parent loan and i want to get a personal loan or some kind of loan so that it can show a line of payment so i can have a credit report Mm -hmm. um because i don't want to just pay that and it not benefit me. What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I know how you're thinking. I know how you're thinking, but listen, don't, don't, don't overanalyze it. Don't overanalyze it. I know it would make more sense. Hey, listen, I want to be able to get the loan in my name. Then after I get the loan in my name, I, then I'll go ahead and pay it off so I can get the credit. All of that stuff to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let me explain why it doesn't matter. People who are looking for the extra little boost and all of these things for you already got the prize. What is the prize? The prize is your wife's education. I'm assuming that she's making money based on the education that her parents went into debt in their name for. Am I right? That's correct. Okay. See, that's the prize. That's what you got. You're looking for a cherry on the top. So that when you pay off the loan, the loan is in your in her parents' name. When you pay off the loan, you want to also get a boost in your credit to show that. Don't don't look for extras. You already won. Because here's what the worst case scenario is. The worst case scenario is you get a loan. Obviously, there's fees associated with those loans. It's not like it's going to be oh, just like a zero interest loan. It's just that the rates are going up. You get a loan. Mm-hmm. You use that loan money to pay off the uh, parent plus loan in, you know, the, for her parents. Then something happens that you weren't expecting because that's what we call life. Life mm-hmm. is a series of events that happen to you that you weren't expecting. How you navigate it is what you're in control of. What worries me is that you would get the loan, pay it off for your for your in-laws Something happens to you, and now you've got this debt in your name, okay? Mm. Go ahead Mm -hmm. and take the win. Pay off the loan in her parents' name. They're going to love you, right? They're going to feel appreciative for what you did, right? They make sense. You go ahead and pay it off. And then, listen, absolutely, it doesn't matter what extra little bumps that you can get in your credit because what what you going to do? You want to go back into debt? Cause that's that's what it is. People people get all excited about their credit score, as if their credit mm-hmm. score is something to brag about. Because their credit score, the only thing you're gonna do with that credit score is probably get back into debt. It's a reward system to get you back into debt. That's like when you don't use your credit uh, your your credit card and they boost up your your credit limit. What do you think they're doing that for? Do you think the credit card companies are your friends? The credit card companies want you to succeed in life like they're some sort of nonprofit organization. (laughs) The reason why they bump up your credit limit is to entice you to go into debt. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I understand. hundred percent. And that's I what I don't want you to do. I, I will not. I'll just keep headed forward and get rid of this little smudge, you know, on my t-shirt. Right. And just get it, get it out of it. Cause here's the deal. I, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I just recently wrote a check to pay off the rest of my student loans. I'm out. Yes, I'm done. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out the game. The only debt, <laughs> listen, the only debt that I have is my mortgage. That's it. That's the only debt that I have in my name person that I, I paid off everything else. Okay. Yes, and listen, the, the number wasn't low, right? That what it wasn't mm -hmm. a low number. It was, it was about the amount of money that the average man in America makes in a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I wrote it anyway and I feel better now. It's done. Yes, sir. It's over. And you can feel like that between you and your wife and, you know, the debt that you know, was created based on the fact that now she has the education and she's making money based on that education. Just pay it off. Just pay it off. Yes, sir. Okay. Will do. I appreciate you, JT. God bless. <laughs> All right, man. Orlando. <laughs> All right. Perfect, man. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> listen, I, I love I love to hear that. That's what I want to hear. You guys listen. It's possible. Go out there and do it. Pay down and pay off this debt when you can. I understand the safety net that you feel having the cash, right? I understand. All right, let's go back to the lines. It is Pocket Watching with JT. You are live on the air. Thank you for calling. How can I help you? If you're on hold right now, this is you. <laughs> All right, this is Pocket Watching with JT. You're live on the air. You can ask me any question you want. You probably, you, I can hear you in the car somewhere. All right, well, I'm going to call back. We're, we're going to hang up. Maybe you can call back and we'll figure, the, figure out what's going on. But listen, people, I understand that there's a sense of security that you have with having that money in the bank. I understand. I understand that you, you know, you, you feel a sense of security with money in the bank, but listen, but it does not matter if the debt is growing at a higher rate than the money in the bank is. And I can tell you 99.9999999% of the time, almost 100%, the debt is growing way more than your cash is growing. I mean, that's it. The debt is growing faster than your cash is growing. And if that's the case, what are we doing? What are, what are we doing? We need to get into a place in the culture where getting thousands and thousands of dollars in debt on credit cards to fund your hair brain idea, your schemes, because that's what it normally be. Most of you think you have business plans. You do not have a business plan if it's not written down. You do not have a business plan if you have not seeked out qualified counsel. What you have is a scheme. What you have is a hustle. What you have is an idea that can potentially bankrupt you, and you think it's the greatest idea in the world. You need to focus on what makes sense in your life and cut out all of the distractions that we find in culture. If you can do that, 
if you can figure out what it is that's missing in your life that you're trying to fill with all the consumerism, you'll probably be okay. Now, pocket watching with JT, I can help you with your budget. I can help you figure out a financial plan. But some of you guys, including myself, I pointed myself in the mirror. Some of us have problems that our finances is only a reflection of our mental issues. Our finances are only a reflection of our emotional issues. Why is it that you have to buy something every day? What is this compulsion with trying to compete with other people in materialism? Yes, it's a spending problem, but that spending problem is intimately tied to something inside of you, inside of your head, inside of your heart. I don't know what it is, but if you address that, then you can probably address the issues that you have financially. But listen, guys, it's, 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 we're coming up on the hour. I want to say thank you to everyone who called in, everyone who went to the website, pocketwatcher.net and click the Ask JT button. Thank you so much. Hopefully, I've said something that can help you in your everyday financial life. I live stream on YouTube every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Come and check me out. Thank you so much. If you have any questions that need more, right, more than just a few moments with me on the radio or on YouTube and you want a consultation with me, Jason Thornton, Certified Financial Planner, you can go to the website pocketwatcher.net, click the consultation button, book a consultation, and I will definitely try to help you out. I specialize in helping people through tax problems, representing you before the IRS to do tax resolutions and tax settlements, and also, of course, financial planning. So if you have any questions, you can also give my office a call. My office number is 314-776-9076. That is 314-776-9076. Thank you for pocket watching with me on Money Mondays. I will catch you guys next week here on the radio, but of course, live streaming Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays on YouTube. You guys have a great week.